specifically regarding Precision Ag. This is a movement or an initiative that Pheasants and Quail Forever has taken on to, where we can help farmers take advantage of the data they collect and during harvest, uh, during planting season, and use that to identify areas in the field that aren't underproducing. For whatever reason, we're losing money on those acres. So gotcha. are there some alternate wildlife covers that we can use and put on the ground that benefit wildlife, but also benefit the bottom line? There's a lot of opportunities, a lot of conservation programs and co conservation practices out there that can benefit the land. Some people might be familiar with the Conservation Reserve Program, or CRP. Yeah, yeah. And that is a program for farmers and landowners to take those certain areas out of production and return them to a wildlife cover. We started taking non-productive acres years ago and putting them in CRP, seeing a great benefit of that, not only for wildlife, erosion control, and the money side of it. You know, we have to make a living to stay in business just like everybody else. You know, if you've got non-productive acres that you're losing money on and you can get something out of them, plus benefit the soil from erosion, plus benefit the wildlife. The award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. we got a great show lined up for you today. We're on the farm. Emily's going to help me co-host today. Emily Buck, our Director of Communications and Outreach. Uh, glad she's here with us today, but we're we're in kind of in an area you're familiar with, right? Yeah, before I came to TWA, agriculture was my bread and butter. So for our folks listening, we've got a great view of some rolling green hills, some cows off to our side, and we're really excited to be on the farm today. Yeah, I am too. Uh, today is all about precision ag, and we're going to be talking with folks from uh, Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever, uh, about how you can turn red acres to green acres, and we're going to learn about all of that and what that is and uh, I'm excited to have Jacob Taylor with us today he works for Quail Forever and then Jeremy Fowler has graciously let us come on to his farm interrupt his farming time he's got to get back out to the tractor so we better speed this along today but we appreciate you guys having us absolutely excited to be here and and happy birthday I know this show will air later but happy birthday thank you <laughs> he says he doesn't stop working he has to keep working on his birthday part of it I guess Just right another day yeah well, today, we, I've touched on it, it's all about precision ag and the technology behind agriculture and, and uh, ways that we could, you can improve your property for, for wildlife when there's not so much uh, profitable acres on those, those exactly. edges and things like that. So today we're going to dive into some of that, but first I want to learn about you guys. So Jacob, we'll start with you, buddy. Tell us about yourself and, and what your role is and, and uh, kind of how you got to where you are today. Yep, well, I, I grew up um, in a farmer family and community kind of down the road from here in Trenton, Tennessee. Um, and I graduated a couple years ago and was hired on by Pheasants and Quail Forever as a precision ag specialist, which when you talk about Pheasants and Quail Forever, that's probably not the first thing that you think about. But right, yeah. as an organization, there's a whole conservation delivery team. It's very diverse and numerous, um, everywhere from farm bill biologists to precision ag specialists. We got people working in rangeland and grazing. Um, so it's a, there's a lot of people working for on, on the ground for Pheasants and Quail Forever. But um, specifically regarding precision ag, this is a movement or an initiative that Pheasants and Quail Forever has taken on to, where we can help farmers take advantage of the data they collect and during harvest, uh, during planting season, and use that to identify areas in the field that aren't underproducing mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Maybe it's shade, water, there's perennial wet spots, um, odd areas that are just hard to farm. Farm equipment's getting big now, mm -hmm. and it's hard to farm some of these smaller areas. And so these areas that 
the yield isn't high enough to um, exceed the input costs, we're losing money on those acres. So gotcha. are there some alternate um, land use covers, wildlife covers that we can use and put on the ground that benefit wildlife, but also benefit the bottom line? Okay, awesome, awesome. All right, well, we'll dig more into that as we get, as we get going. Um, Jeremy. Thank you for having us. Tell us a little about yourself. You, you're a lifetime farmer, right? Yes, sir. Row crop producer um, here in West Tennessee, Atwood, Tennessee. Born and raised like two miles down the road here. Um, been farming since 97. Uh, we raised corn, wheat, soybeans, cattle, and uh, kids. So uh, <laughs> that's the main thing. Well, I've got two teenagers, a wife named Brittany. Uh, she works in the local school system. Um, we... Um, tied up with jacob uh we was doing a lot of this stuff before he came along but he kind of brought a new um level to it i guess as you say and okay. introduced me to some new programs and different things and um we're um conservation minded we hunt um and uh believe in putting back you know and have a place for wildlife to to thrive plus us to thrive so it's kind of a balance and uh it's been good for us very cool yeah that's awesome to hear and uh before the show, we were chatting. Uh, your son plays football, and, yes. and I'm sure he's doing. Is he doing well this season? He is. He's had a great season. My daughter's a cheerleader. My son plays football, awesome. and um, we're busy people. I bet. Very I busy. bet. Very, this time of year, very busy. Yeah. Well, you know, farming's a full-time job, especially folks like you that that you know do it this way. You know, I got a lot of hobby farmers and stuff out there, but it's a uh, it's a, a lifelong uh, passion and right, yeah. right. It's a way of life. It's it's um, you have to live it, and love it to to do it. So yeah, definitely. Def well, and farmers are really the original stewards of of the land and of the earth. And when you think about those kids, Correct. I bet you're hoping one day they come back and keep farming. We and are. Sustainability lets you do that. We are. Uh, don't push them either way. Tell them all the time. You know, do whatever you want to do. We'll support you. But yeah. uh, at the same time, really. Um, Really hoping maybe one day they'll come back. My daughter's really plugged in right now. She's a junior in high school. Yeah. Um, she's wanting to get ag business degree and do something in agriculture, which we're really excited about. So we'll see what happens. You know, sure. Just, yeah. But um, just um, blessed to get to raise kids in a place like this. On the farm, it's just a different experience. You know, we have kids come out here all the time that ask us questions that we don't know how to answer because we take for granted what we do every day. We really do. Yeah, so. definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of great colleges here in Tennessee that, that focus on wildlife and agriculture, and uh, those two go hand in hand a lot of times. So. Correct. Very cool. All right, well, let's jump in more on, on how folks can turn red to green here. Um, and you touched on it a little bit there, uh, Jacob, but just dive in a little bit more on, on how this program works and how a farmer can work with, with you. Right. So the the topic of this is precision ag, and maybe not a lot of viewers understand maybe what precision ag is. You have to really be on the farm, and a lot of farmers are using that now, but everybody sees the big combines going through the, the field during the fall, right, or the cotton pickers. Well, as those machines are going through the field, every one second they collect a data point, all right, and that data point is, is collecting how much um, crop is coming through the combine, whether that's cotton or corn or wheat or soybeans, how much is flowing through the combine. Uh, the moisture of that crop, the speed of the combine, the elevation that that of the land that the the combine is passing across. So think about thousands of acres, every data point, every one second, right? That's a lot of data, right? So how can we use that data and maximize every single acre? Um, and and a lot of farms, like we see out here today, when we're harvesting through these these fields and we have all this yield data, we know where we're producing high and low in the fields. Yeah, and, okay. and, and oftentimes farmers know where those areas are, right? You know where you're losing money. Right. 
that yield data helps us identify where we're losing a lot of money, where it makes sense to make a land use change or to take an area out of production and return it to a, a, a cover. So that is what, when we're talking about precision ag, turning red acres green, if you look at, you take this yield data, you can make a, a color map, a heat map. It looks like a temperature map, right? Right, right, right. Red, the red areas are what we call red acres. We're not producing enough um, to actually produce a really good positive turn on return on investment. Mm -hmm. So we take that data, those heat maps, and look at several years of them. We can understand that we're losing money on these certain acres. Well, then what's the what's the solution? Like what, what options are out there? What can we do with these areas? Do we need to keep farming it? Some landowners want you to keep farming every acre. Sometimes we got to farm it just to be able to farm the good part of the farm, right? Mm -hmm. So you take the good with the bad. But there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of conservation programs and co conservation practices out there that can benefit the land um, and that require management. And so uh, some people might be familiar with the Conservation Reserve Program, or CRP. Yeah. And yeah. that is a program administered by USDA for farmers and landowners to take those certain areas out of production and return them to a wildlife cover beneficial to different um to different wildlife and, and often one that we implement around here in Germany himself has implemented is a or buffer strips um, native grasses and wildflowers that are beneficial for wildlife like uh, quail, quail turkey yeah. yep mm -hmm. quail turkey pollinators uh, a suite of different wildlife use those areas and, and mo those are most time areas we don't have on the farm right we've got trees we got open crop ground we're missing some of that in between mm -hmm. Um, and so the, the Conservation Reserve Program, there's a whole bunch of different USDA programs out there. I, mean, I know TWA offers a Farm Wildlife Enhancement Program. Yep, yep. And so there's a lot of different programs, and that's what, as specialists like myself, it's my job to understand the precision ag technology and to understand those programs and where they might fit on the farm and where they're appropriate. It's it's all new to me, and, and probably not to Emily, but we were chatting the other day in the office, and I was like, you know, so we're going to focus on this and the show and and talk about the the practices they're doing and uh, the technology you mentioned i i never thought about that because uh, i think of a farmer out there on a, a simple little tractor farming but it's more than that i mean you you say you're a simple guy but the technology that's in your tractor that's counting those you know what it's picking up and every data point per acre or per, per Per foot, probably, you know. That's pretty cool. It changes as much in the next 20 as it has in the last 20 years. I won't even go to the field. We do everything <laughs> with a computer and drones. I mean, it's just yeah. really advanced um, and um, in good ways, you know. And, but some of us, my, my generation, have to go back and learn some of this stuff. We weren't born with computers and right. didn't come up with that. Yeah, yeah. We took typewriting in high school. You know, we didn't even have computer class, <laughs> yeah. you know. Exactly. Um, but we've had to go back and learn some of that. And, um I've got some uh, some guys that work for me are younger. They catch on really quick, and they're teaching me some of this stuff. So, yeah. And people like Jacob, and um, different ones. You know, we we're having to having to learn, but it's um, it's user friendly. You know, it's been really good at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Well, you you mentioned earlier in the show that that you've put these uh, practices in place even before you met you met Jacob. So uh, you know that was been, you were already thinking that way, right? We we've been passionate about conservation and wildlife. Um, Brought up that way, mm -hmm. you know, um, and we are in West Tennessee. We have fence rows, rolling hills. Um, we're not vast land, you know. We have 50-acre fields and 10-acre fields and all kind of different stuff. But, um, yeah, we've um, we started taking non-productive acres years ago and putting them in the Conscious Reserve Program, CRP, mm -hmm. and uh, seeing a great benefit of that, not only for wildlife, but um, erosion control and the money side of it you know we have to make a living to stay in business just like everybody else you know if you've got non-productive acres that you're losing money on 
and you can get something out of them, plus benefit the soil from erosion, plus benefit the wildlife. Um, take example, a farm we was on yesterday, harvesting beans. I just noticed um, I've got 36 landlords plus own land, so I'm in constant communication with a lot of people, and sure. I've had landlords buy into some of this stuff. They've seen what I've done, and they've bought into some of this stuff. And with Jacob's uh, precision stuff, hey, I can take these yield maps to them and say, hey, we're losing money right here. Mm-hmm. You know, these landlords are on a share or whatever, and that makes a good bargaining point for them. You know, hey, we can benefit the wildlife. We can put money in your pocket. We can actually, and a lot of times, they can make more money that way in some kind of buffer program or CRP than they can with me farming it and save the soil and the wildlife. But back to my original, we was on a farm yesterday, landowner, um, took me a long time to convince him. Front half of his farm was not productive. The back half was great. Mm-hmm. Took me years, three years ago, I convinced him. We put the front half in CRP, we still farm the back half, so we have to drive through the CRP. All right, I seen quail, turkeys, and deer yesterday just driving a combine across the CRP. And he come out, and he said, man, it's the greatest thing we ever done on my farm. So, I mean, it's really benefiting everybody. That's you know? awesome. So it's benefiting me and the landowners. And, like I said, erosion is a big thing. We're rolling, big time rolling. These strips and the CRP, it's saving the dirt, you know. Um, it's It's been a win-win for for everybody and and we're passionate about it you know we're wildlife people we like to hunt and like to see wildlife or we're out working but it really does you good when you see something like i did yesterday you know i was thinking about this coming up today and what we was going to talk about and i said right there it is you know it's just simple it's it's right here's what we're trying to do you know mm-hmm. uh we're supposed to be stewards as you said well go other land so um that's uh it's ever ever evolving and there's numerous programs as he said um he, he's introduced me to some new ones here in the last couple of years it's been really good we're sitting here looking out over my home farm and we put in some prairie strips last year and uh, we're seeing a huge benefit already for those you know we we can sit here and hear quail whistling in the morning a lot of times you know it's, awesome. it's just something that's been gone from this area for a long time so i think one of the things that is often kind of tricky sometimes to visualize when it comes to the benefits of conservation when you're thinking about that bottom line it's not always an immediate payoff a lot of times that conservation will pay off as far as yields on a farm but it does take a while you know talk a little bit about just that patience it takes to see some of that conservation pay off we're not in a get rich annually scheme we're in a lifetime you know we're in a lifetime trying to make a living if you if um successful enough or uh, blessed enough to farm your whole life have something at the end you know and and leave something like you said there you know it's long-term mindset it's a mindset it's long-term you can't you're not going to see benefits in one year two years three years you start seeing some stuff and it gradually goes up you know but um you have to really care about um the farm you know you have to really care about what you're going to leave behind what you're doing sustainability is a big word these days you know and in agriculture everybody wants to be sustainable you know and there's several different ways you could talk about that but that's how we're being sustainable you know we're leaving leaving our dirt where it, or our soil where it's at you know and creating wildlife opportunities and different things but it's the mindset like i said it's not a it's not an overnight deal it's time you know which that's uh, you have to have patience so. well uh quail is a is a big topic people want to see quail come back and and uh and it's obvious, you know, in the last couple of shows we've done, we've been like on Bridgestone Firestone and we, we hear the quail out there. And then you're talking about seeing the quail as you drive through the farm. It's awesome that to see the, the, the work that y'all are putting in on these different areas happen, you know, see the, the wildlife come back. And it's very cool. And I know you, it, 
probably tickles you to death to, to see that oh yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's that's one of the things that if if, if we can help farmers be more profitable but if, if we can also you know get a lot of wildlife benefit and cover out there that's you know not very abundant and we can really help quail in that way it's what you call double benefit it's you know when you go out on the farm and you see what you're doing and it's putting it on the ground and and there's a wildlife response i mean that's i mean just helping people to be more profitable in in the small way that we can because i mean jeremy's not got i mean a lot of these farmers are farming big thousands of acres you ain't got time to sit down and look at every little right. piece you know mm -hmm. i mean and you've done a really good job of that obviously you've done this well before we ever came but seeing that that wildlife benefit on the ground um that with helping someone be more profitable, I mean, it's a it's a really cool thing to see. And every farm's not the same. You know, it's not a one-fix-all. Right, right. We have, we're scattered over about a 30-mile circle from right here center. Okay. Um, and every farm's different, every landowner's different. So you have to go in with a mindset of different aspects of how we can help this farm, what we can do. And every farm may not have a place for whole farm conservation. It may be strips like we've done here. You know, every farm's different. But anyway, it's a... It's a mindset we're passionate about and, and seeing benefits out of it in three different ways, you know, from economic to wildlife, from erosion. So, I mean, it's, we're benefiting. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned that mindset. A lot of times it can be pretty tricky to change a mindset that has been on a farm from multi-generations. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned cover for quail. And one of the things that we sometimes talk about is just not bush hogging as much right. to leave some of that natural right. cover and let some of those fence rows grow up, which can be really awful hard yeah. for a farmer to change their mindset on that one. Uh, uh, well, generations before me and some of Current generations think you need to farm fence row, fence row, and take the fence rows out if you can. You know, and it's that's not the way. Not, <laughs> not, not. Uh, in my mind, and, and that may work for some people, it doesn't work for me. I want to be. Um, um, when you go by and look at farm on equipment, you're out there working. You know, like you're thinking, what are we really doing here? Mm -hmm. you know? um, so there's room for everybody. Yeah, well, the the term we like to use is uh, stop recreational bush hogging. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we we mow these strips in the CRP once a year. You know. Yeah. After nesting season, mm -hmm. we've got our schedule. Schedule. We yeah. Uh, yeah. Set schedule every year. We go on. We mow certain farms at a certain time and different things. And and by this time of year, they grow back up. So they have plenty of cover throughout the winter. You know. Mm -hmm. So it's you know we usually do that starting late July, first August. And that's our slow time on the farm, so it works out good for us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, and, and it's the manage. You have to manage them too. It's not just hey, you put them out there and let them go. You have to ask them to manage them because they'll have trees on them that's been around in three years and they'll be gone. Yeah, you know? so definitely. Exactly. I mean, it, it's a farming practice basically. At the end of the day, I mean, it's part of part of what we do. So. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it, it's used to be called the set aside program, but yeah. you're not setting aside. You've got no. to manage it. I mean, a lot of the practices that you've done, and a lot of other farmers like yourself in West Tennessee, they're doing. It's not a silver bullet, right? No. And so when we talk about managing for quail and other wildlife, there's a lot of variables. Every farm is different. Every farm's got a different history, right? That, that what it, Maybe this farm used to be pasture and now it's cropped or it's been cropped for 30 years. And that's where um, our wildlife biologists, I, I talked about our conservation team. Mm -hmm. um, we work with U the USDA local service centers. We work with TWA wildlife biologists um, in West Tennessee. And I work with those folks. And they, they're on the ground with landowners and farmers like Jeremy looking at farms, seeing, you know, what seed do we need to put out there, what might have been out there historically, what herbicide recommendations, what management is best, right? And so I'm not by any means a management expert. I'm just precision ag guy. Mm -hmm. But um, we've got our farm wildlife biologists, they, uh, they've got the knowledge of, you know, what management can we do 
throwing in a mix of management, burning this year, mowing this year, maybe a farm that's not as highly roasted, doing some strip disking. There's a lot of different management techniques and seed mixes and that, that are appropriate for the practice that we're doing, and that's where we've got a lot of great partners and, um, and great great biologists and, and employees within Quell Forever, USDA, and TWRA. They're all working together to do the same thing, right? And so it's help the people, help the land. So yeah. that's a... Uh, you know, I think that a lot of, almost everyone would agree, oh, conservation is a good thing. But realistically, there's always going to be some barriers to implementation on a farm, some challenges to overcome. You know, what have you seen as you've met with folks? What have been some of the challenges that y'all have helped them kind of work through? And you're laughing, so I, I know you've had some challenges, must have. <laughs> well, I mean, there is also a mindset for sort of a program like CRP, you know years ago when it maybe it was set aside and when it wasn't really managed at all right and so like like Jeremy talked about growing up in trees this thick you know whenever it, the idea of putting some of these quail habitat and early successional uh, plantings in place is you should be able to farm that again down the road right I mean that's the type of habitat that back a long time ago when we were when we were farming rotationally these areas would grow up in grass for a couple of years and they're farmed again and that's that was that habitat that we were missing right um, and managing that and not the, the mindset in some of these programs is that we just need to let it go right but managing it as if you're producing a crop for wildlife and that's one of the mindsets that um, that you know maybe used to be common um, but just understanding that management is you know we're not doing as much management as you would do in crop per se but but you know we want to we need to manage this every year and um, and, and, and be on top of it and th that's a mindset that maybe some people have not overcome yet but there's a lot of adoption in West Tennessee. Yeah. In my experience, you have to be, like I said, I've got 36 landlords currently scattered over a 30-mile circle, so we deal with a lot of different types of people, some raised on a farm, some not. So that creates a challenge in itself. Mm -hmm. yep. But transparency, we've learned. If you will show people and be transparent, they'll buy into what you're trying to, you know, um, take them yield maps like Jacob's doing. You know, I can take them my yield maps and, okay, this part of the farm right here is not productive. You know, this is three years of history where it's not productive. We can't make it productive. We've done everything that we can do to try to make it row crop productive. Well, why don't we look at some conservation stuff to go on those acres? It will help the farm. It will put money in the landowner's pocket, and I don't have to farm it and lose money. Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, that's what economics is what's driving some of this. So, Definitely. And some of it's receptive, some of it's not. But we've learned with dealing with multiple through the years, it takes a while sometimes, especially these older guys that, hey, we got to farm it. You know, yeah. that, that's that's their mindset. We got to farm it, you know. But um, we've put some whole farms in in the last five or six years because we went and showed them, hey, your neighbor's farm over here is making this and we're making this consecutively. We've got five years worth of data right here. Why don't we put this in farm and CRP and um, help the wildlife and that's a selling point with some people. Some people it's not. Um, but we're benefiting the land at the end of the day. But it is a, like I said, but transparency has helped us a lot. Just people want you to be real. They don't want you to, you know, you, if you take them um, documents in there and prove what you're trying to do yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and get them hooked up with some of these programs, like you said, I help with that too. I don't just say, hey, good luck. Um, <laughs> I say, hey, we can contact, you know, USDA, they've all kinds of programs. Jacob's got all kinds of programs. Let's see what's best for this farm. You know, see what what's best for your situation. And we've got all different kinds. So it's one size don't fix all. Yeah. But that like, technical assistance is so critical. No yes. one expects anyone to be an expert overnight. And one of the benefit of so many of those USDA programs is they come with incentives to help yes. you bridge the gap on yes. that. 
um, financial lift to implement yes. some of these practices, including um, USDA EQIP, uh, to help with some of those different uh, infrastructure needs on a farm. At the, end of, at the end of the day, it comes down to simple math, and what Jeremy is, is trying to is talking about is that the areas that are lower producing, you know, if you've got an average yield on a farm and you've got very lower producing acres, they are dragging that average yield down. And so when you take them out, you're making actually more on less. Yes. And that's that simple math. And when it comes to the programs, that's where we can leverage those unproductive acres to get a payment, right? And so where you're losing money um, on these acres, you can actually be making them in a program. And that check is always going to come no, ma no matter the weather, right? You, you're going to get that same that same check, whether it's cost share and an incentive and all these programs. There's so many opportunities to get cost share, to get an incentive, to, to retire these and manage them differently, not set them aside, but manage them differently. And leveraging those areas what he's done a great job of that's that's really where the bread and butter is with yeah. with, with these programs we've had areas where conservation pay the landowner more than i could pay them row cropping it and that really is a great thing for the landowner you know and me and they're realizing i'm still it. helping yeah. them manage and i'm still managing a lot of conservation for a lot of different people just because that we're not row cropping your farm anymore don't mean i won't help you manage it you know sure. we do a lot of management for well we do all of, all the all the people that i farm for we do all their all their conservation management for them uh, sometimes at no cost sometimes at a little cost but um like i said it's um they're guaranteed check like i said they're not worried about the weather you know and if they got a low producing farm it's like this and it's a it's a win-win for everybody and you know i'm not an acre grabber you know i want to work the best acres that's my mindset i want to work what's going to put money in my pocket and that horse pocket i don't i'm not a numbers guy i want to work I want to row crop what's best to be row cropped for everybody. So. Definitely. So, well, I think it's uh, these incentives and uh, you know the, these guys are educated in this and they're they have a passion for it and they can come to your farm, write you a plan. There's a plan. There's the technology behind it that that you can see this is going to work and this is a way to you know and as long as you got the equipment i think it's great that you know you got the equipment you're already doing it right they can write you a plan and, and right. just make it happen right. fairly easy right. Right. i mean it's and that helps awesome. a, lot of landowners. a lot of landowners don't have equipment to do it and that's where we come in yeah to help them bridge that gap in between you know how are we going to implement this what's uh they'll come to me with their plan some scared to death you know like mm -hmm. we don't know what to do it's like it's gonna be okay with it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. we've got support here like i said we can call some people and see what we need to do but anyway it's it's good yeah well and at twra we also have private land biologists you work exactly. closely with um chris out here in west Absolutely. tennessee yep. talk a little bit about that partnership and how that really just expands the benefit of a lot of these yeah so um you know when i'm work, when i go to a farmer like uh like jeremy and other farmers that maybe they're not and you've been working with usda for a long time but farmers that aren't you know in in doing a lot of conservation practices or in the programs that are interested you know they want to hear quail again or you know they want to manage for wildlife but they also want to try to improve their bottom line you know just small acres here and there not big acres but when i help them identify some acres and maybe they got some ideas of those those areas um i work with somebody like chris mm -hmm. you know wildlife biologist that uh, we can sit down and we can come up with a plan. Also, our, our quail biologists, I know that um, Jeremy's worked with some of our biologists, Alex Tamboli and, and Brittany Fires, in, in the past as yep. well. So all, all of those uh, those people that we're working with, we sit down and they can help me understand what's the best to do on this on this ground based on the, you know, the, the landscape position, the, hit, the site characteristics, the, the history, you know. Um, all that comes in, and all that's very important when when it comes to habitat management. Right. So.
Yeah. So that, that team is is growing. You put those two, all these two groups together, us yeah. and you guys, and it's amazing what can happen. Absolutely. I mean, we wear a different badge, but we're all doing the same thing. We all work <laughs> yeah. together. We work together with Chris as if he's QF employee, and and um, and everybody else likewise. Well, if somebody wanted to find information on this, how do they find? find your contact if they're in West Tennessee? Well, I mean, every USDA service center has, has my contact and our wildlife biologists. We have a, uh, a Tennessee Quail Forever Facebook page. We also have a Quail Forever website, and you can go on there and find my contact and all, all of our staff on there as well. Awesome, awesome. And if you want to find the TWRA Habitat Biologist, you can find those at tmwildlife.org. Uh, they're on uh, under the wildlife section there. And, uh, you know, a lot of resources out absolutely. there. Absolutely. There's a lot out there. Especially yeah, if, you're a, if you're a Jeremy and you want to implement some of this stuff and, and guys I'll, like him and i'll throw in it's easy it's uh very accessible if you if you're interested you can find some pro you can find some you know usda quail forever there's all kind of uh, the information access out there if you're interested um get with some of those agencies and and uh, talk about it absolutely awesome well and twa is proud to manage public land but the reality is the majority of the land in tennessee is owned by private landowners so we can't do it without y'all they're the movers and shakers yeah, That's right. definitely. Well, this has been fun. I've learned a lot. Thank you, Emily, for helping uh, co-host. Thank you guys for having us here. And uh, this is Tennessee Wildcast. Keep coming back. Keep watching. Keep listening. Subscribe, like, follow, uh, and just appreciate you all tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.